Welcome to another episode of Cyberwork with InfoSec, the weekly podcast where industry thought leaders share their knowledge and experiences in order to keep us all one step ahead of the bad guys. Adam Kujawa is the director of Malwarebytes Labs. He and his team compiled the Malwarebytes Cybercrime Tactics and Techniques Report. The report was released to the public on April 25th, 2019. Among the findings, in the world of ransomware, consumer detections dropped 10% while business ransomware detections were up 200% over the previous quarter and over 500% more than this time last year. Trojan malware has gone up over 200% from the previous quarter and almost 650% from the same time last year. Meanwhile, crypto mining is essentially extinct with consumers, but business-focused miners have increased from the previous quarter. Whether individuals have tightened up their defense posture or cyber criminals have learned to focus on the more lucrative targets, uh, the report is unlikely to make companies very happy in 2019. Today, we're going to take a deeper look at the report's findings and see if we can find out how the findings will affect the cybersecurity industry as a whole and in the years to come. Adam Kujawa is the director of Malwarebytes Labs with over 14 years of experience fighting malware on the front lines and behind the scenes. Frequently anachronistic, he has spent time analyzing threats of an APT state-sponsored nature as well as threats to consumers for both government and private industry. In addition to research and analysis, he has provided conference talks and developed technical courses on topics from basic to advanced malware analysis, malware evolution, and threat intelligence. Adam, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, so to start at the very beginning, um, how long have you been working with malware bytes? And before that, when did you get interested in cybersecurity? I've been interested in cybersecurity either in, in one aspect or another since I was a kid, basically. Wow. <clears throat> I wanted to get all those hacking exposed books and, you know, mm-hmm. be like uh, be like the characters in the hackers movie. <laughs> uh, and my dad worked in IT. So as, as I grew up, you know, kind of learned about systems and developing them and securing them. And then uh, when I left for the military, I actually got really into cybersecurity. Okay. Um, and so I've been with the military, I mean, with Powerbytes now for over seven years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, do you, uh, let's see, um, do you uh, still find yourself having to like learn new skills? Are you still, you know, sort of like trying to find, you know, new solutions and, and especially like learning new soft and hard skills? Oh yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've never had to, to constantly learn new things as often as I have working in this industry. Yeah. The bad guys, they, they always change things up. Sure. They decide to go a different avenue of, of how to infect someone. So you have to learn about that avenue. Um, or learn how this particular malware works. And, you know, they're constantly evolving their attacks. So it's, it's a constant, like, you never stop learning, basically. Yeah. So since, since part of the focus of this show is uh, people who are interested in cybersecurity from, you know, a job and, and career perspective, what are, you think, some of the soft and hard skills that have been most helpful to you in this role? Well, <clears throat> one thing that, there's a lot of people out there who are, who are technical. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there who are non-technical. If you're able to find somewhere in between where you can do technical analysis work, if you can contribute to an intelligence work and investigations, and then also be able to put that in terms that normal people understand, or, or not even just normal people, but uh, you know, C-level executives or right. customers or things like that, then that's a really valuable skill in this industry. I, I could tell you that personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, let's move to the um, the Malwarebytes uh, report here. How was the data compiled and how long have you been compiling data and crunching the numbers for this? Well, this is, uh, I mean, I'm losing count of how many times we've done this report, but uh, every quarter we do this report for the okay. last, uh, since basically the beginning of 2016. Um, and we compile the data. It's basically telemetry from our endpoints throughout the world. Okay. Uh, we compile those from our, our business customers, for our consumer customers, uh, where they're located, you know, identified trends and stuff. And we take that 
we combine it with what we've seen from our uh, our honey pots and, and our systems that collect malware automatically, and then we also uh, kind of run that through our own analysts and our researchers and their experience and what they saw and create a narrative around that. So the whole point of the report is just to identify trends and be able to um, try to see what's coming next. You know. Um, so uh, going back to you know job functions and stuff like what members of your team uh, actually do the work of compiling the data like what sorts of uh, positions you know within your company are in charge of of all this data and and, and making it uh, into something usable for the public yeah well big data is a big part of cybersecurity these days mm-hmm. because of so much malware you know you got tons of information from logs and everything else um, so we have our own dedicated data science department mm-hmm. and those guys are their whole job is to make sure that we get all the data that we need from our telemetry and are able to present it to the rest of the company in a way that makes sense. I work with them very closely because it's, you know, you could see the stats and they'll come talk to me and say, you know, have you seen this? Does this look legit? And like, yeah, let's investigate that further. So it's a really, it's a really cool relationship, but, um, but that is becoming more and more in demand in this industry is uh, knowing how to do big data, yeah. uh, data analysis and things like that. Uh, so of the many changes that came up in the report compared to last year, and there's some really surprising numbers, which which finding did you find the most troubling and why? Um, the fact that we see such a huge shift toward business infections is pretty troubling to me. Um, seeing a decline in con- the consumer side of detections, which also is something I've never really seen before. Yeah. Uh, of all the years that I've been working with Malwarebytes, I've only seen our detections of consumer malware go up and up and up every year. Um, so seeing this kind of drastic shift in the intent and the tactics and techniques of cyber criminals is definitely alarming. It's far more uh, of a jump than I think we would normally expect from cyber criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, but this happens every once in a while, you know, you'll have a bunch of really kind of cheap or copycat copycat malware. And then every uh, couple of years, someone comes along with something that changes the whole game. Wow. Um, so let's start with the computer, uh, the consumer stats rather, uh, you know, a cursory read of the report suggests that uh, consumers are not as extensively targeted as companies and that ransomware against individuals was down 33%. Uh, so what, I mean, you know, like you said this is a really surprising number, but what, what do you attribute these changes to? I mean, can you sort of extrapolate from the data what's, yeah. what's going on there? <clears throat> so there's a bunch of new families out there that are, well, not new families, they're old families like Emotet and TrickBot um, that have added new functionality, basically the same exploit capability of WannaCry, not Petya, those mm-hmm. stolen NSA exploits, Eternal Blue, Eternal Romance. Um, so we see those being included in a lot of uh, kind of evolving malware families. And this makes it possible, whereas prior they were just focusing on a single consumer, trying to get information, steal it from them. Now they want to try and, and land on a corporate network because from there they can utilize these exploits. They can utilize um, uh, brute forcing of credentials to start laterally moving across the network and, and basically having a whole lot more uh, uh, systems infected than you would previously. So we've seen this happen basically since about mid last year, uh, these tactics being utilized more and more. Um, We've seen uh, ransomware being dropped by these families, like the Ryuk ransomware uh, that was pretty popular late last year. And so seeing that that shift overall uh, shows a better return on investment for the cyber criminals. And at the end of the day, you know, when you have a question about, would cyber criminals do this? Is it worth it to them to do it? Is it worth the, the money? You know, right. um, so being able to infect a large corporate network versus somebody's grandma, obviously bigger return on investment. You can get access to user data from multiple users. You could steal uh, IP information if you want. 
Um, yeah. Or you can just ransom it if you feel like it when you're done with everything. So ransomware kind of the same boat where we've we've seen ransomware families like Sam Sam and Ryuk and um, and earlier this year actually uh, about two months ago the Troll Dash ransomware, and we wrote about it in the report, but it had a pretty big campaign against businesses um, in the beginning of the year. So we also see that that businesses targeting. Uh, or rather ransomware targeting businesses do get usually a bigger payout or something at all. Um, if you, you know, infect or rather encrypt the files of, of one person, then they can just wipe it or they have backups or something like that. But a larger organization, which has the pressure of, uh, of regulations, of data privacy laws that are coming out, um, are far more likely to say, okay, we'll pay you something rather than nothing at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to uh, first of all, before we jump into that, 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 that's a huge topic right there. But to keep to ensure that that consumers and individuals are, are don't get too complacent. Are there any troubling stats within the report that indicate that individual users still need to remain vigilant? You know, yeah, are there are yeah. there still big you know threats? To, I mean, obviously it went down, but it didn't go to zero. So no, no, it didn't. Mm-hmm. No, what what the criminals on the consumer side are really doubling down on is kind of a tried true method of um, advertising pushing. We see lots and lots of adware. Yep. And on multiple platforms as well, we see an increase in adware for both mobile and Mac devices. Um, and this adware, I mean, obviously, adware doesn't sound like the most horrible thing in the world. But when you realize what it's doing to your system and the potential danger it puts you in yes. uh, by pushing advertisements to you or redirecting your your search um, to some other search engine, you know, those things could be loaded up with exploit kit uh, scripts. They could, they could really do a lot of damage. And in fact, we saw... During what we call the what I like to call the crypto mining craze, which is about October 2017 to about June 2018, okay. um, where pretty much all malware distribution we saw was related to crypto mining in some way. Hmm. Um, a lot of adware families that we'd seen in the past were dropping crypto miners on systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, like I said, these things are, are pretty dangerous. And of course, there's still ransomware that we do see there's a family called GanCrab, which was um, more prominent last year. We haven't seen a lot of activity coming from it this year so far, but I considering it evolved like seven times last year and actually does really good encryption, you know, correctly as a very dangerous piece of malware. Um, I'm not, su- I, I would be surprised if we didn't see it again this year yeah. and probably in greater numbers. And that has almost exclusively gone after consumers. So yeah. we're not completely out of the, uh, you know, out of the fire here. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's that's just something to you know to remind our listeners. Obviously, uh, the enormous uh, rise of Trojan malware in recent uh, times, like you said, it's up two hundred percent from last quarter and six hundred fifty percent from this time last year. Uh, it's you know clearly suggests that this is the new preferred method of transport for malware. I mean, you mentioned a little bit about the rise of the different you know sort of uh, malware families and ransomware families, but what what do you think triggered this huge jump? Do you think it really is just more attractive targets or was there sort of a, uh, you know, a, a jump in number of hackers or availability of certain softwares? Yeah. Um, well, I mean the, the, the 650, obviously a huge, huge, huge number, but I also consider the fact that back, uh, this time last year we were dealing with lots and lots and lots of crypto, crypto miners. Oh, right. um, okay. so that, that number does make They're sense. Changing their focus a little bit then. Yeah. Huh? They're changing their focus a little bit then? Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the move toward businesses, the move toward uh, more transport malware, like you said, or information stealers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some theories we have are that with laws like GDPR, and I think California's got their own privacy law, they're, they're setting a state, a lot of places are doing this. Yeah. So we expect that data is going to be a bit more difficult to get your hands on if you're a cyber mm-hmm. criminal. 
and data does have an expiration date, you know, um, credit card numbers, addresses, things like that. Uh, so yeah, we think that, that it's kind of a push toward making sure that they can get information or access to information if they need it to sell it on the black market. Um, but also it just seems to be a big push to kind of rebuilding botnets to establishing footholds and large networks. Um, and Trojans are perfect for that, for sneaking in on stuff like that because they're usually quiet. Um, and a lot of these Trojans that we have been seeing, you can almost say that they're a hybrid. You know, they have Trojan spyware, worm functionality in some cases. Um, and we're seeing more and more malware like this that doesn't really fit into a, a box anymore where it can do like Emotet used to be what we called a banking Trojan. And so all it would do was infect the system and then wait and lo- wait until you log into your, your bank account and then steal that form data. Hmm. Um, but now Emotet lands on the system. It has its own built-in spam module. So it's, it searches your contacts for other people in your network and then sends out uh, spear phishing emails to them. Um, and then it's able to install additional malware and start laterally moving through the network. So that's a lot more functionality than just stealing form yeah. data. Um, and we, like I said, we see more and more malware moving in this direction. Hmm. So yeah, so it's getting a little little more supple and a little less uh, sort of brute forcey than it was. Back yeah, then. yeah, and yeah, with yeah. more um, with more you know powerful systems that the users are using or businesses are using, uh, that makes the malware itself more capable of doing things. Because if you go back to like Windows ninety eight or even Windows XP, and you saw a remote access Trojan that was you know maybe ten megs and it was making you know uh, a beacon every two seconds. I mean, you would probably notice that on XP, you know, you would notice that this, things were running sluggishly mm-hmm. or that you got way too much network traffic, but with windows 10 and, you know, modern operating systems, that is a drop in the bucket, you know, yeah. and as far as how much network activity is, is right. constantly going on with, with newer windows operating systems, it's hard mm-hmm. to find much of anything. So that really makes it possible for the bad guys to evolve um, because they know they're dealing with better hardware now. I mean, do you have to retrofit or, I mean, obviously you have to, you're constantly making changes to malware bytes and stuff, but was that like a big change to sort of look for more sort of the ability to detect more, more subtle, you know, Trojans and malware like that? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, we have, uh, you know, we've had rootkit, anti-rootkit functionality for quite a few years. It was one of the things that we um, first developed after kind of developing our main, uh, our main engine. Mm-hmm. And uh, because we're dealing with families like zero access um, spy eye, they're all rootkit Trojans that were able to do, you know, really nasty things. So we see the kind of, the same kind of functionality being utilized within these, uh, these malware families as well, but we've got the technology to stop it. Um, yeah. but one thing that I would definitely say we're moving toward overall is, is more behavioral detections, greater use of like machine learning, training AI in order mm-hmm. to detect anomalous behavior mm-hmm. because the malware itself, you know, it's not like it was 10 years ago where maybe you get a new family a week or a month. I mean, right. it's constantly coming out. There's new variations of it. And yep. if we have the technologies to, um, to utilize, you know, AI and, and advanced you know, analysis systems to identify something that's, that's weird on a system, then the bad guys have the same capability, theoretically, to utilize that same software or that, that same technology in order to make their attacks more effective and be able to roll out, you know, new versions of the malware faster. Um, now, I, I wanted to jump back to, uh, you said something before about crypto mining as there was the, the sort of, I don't know if you said the golden age of crypto mining or the, the, crypto, the, mining the, craze. the crypto mining <laughs> craze. So what what caused the crypto mining craze to sort of break and, and sort of pull back? Like, you know, it's, it, was it they were just like throwing everything against the wall and they weren't finding it was working or 
Why? Well, um, it's it all started because the value of Bitcoin shot to the roof. And okay. by like November, December yeah. of 2017, um, it was worth like what, $16,000, $17,000 or something per Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So that uh, the bad guys were like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's go mine some Bitcoins. Um, yeah. But as time went on, it became more difficult because you had a lot of people involved in the mining process. And, and um, as some you know, professional miner people tell me, that the more people you have doing that, the more that uh, the numbers have been crunched by more individuals, the harder it is to actually earn anything from doing the number crunching and actually running a miner for Bitcoin. Uh, there are other families out there. You know, Monero was very big and popular because it was being used for drive-by mining attacks or clickjacking, as a lot of people like to call it. Okay. Um, but yeah, with the, the 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 rise of the Bitcoin value set it off, and then the fall of it led to its decline. And mm-hmm. you know, we you can almost uh, put up a chart of the value of Bitcoin and see the trend lines, you know, going up and down. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with our detections of Bitcoin miners was right. up and down. Um, it's not completely synced up, but you could definitely see where the inspiration comes from yeah. and that, yeah, it became less and less of a return on investment for them. So they went back to doing the old stuff. Yeah. So it's all the, all the trends seem to be chasing the money. It seems like that's always what it is. And, and things, you know, they go in circles in the cybercrime world. We see stuff come back again and yep. this is probably not the last time we'll see a Bitcoin craze, um, or, you know, cryptocurrency craze. I hope it's going to be a while. I mean, at the same time, like, People just getting infected with miners is one thing versus getting infected with like information stealing Trojans, but it, it still is a big concern. It can cause a lot of uh, system degradation. And then my biggest concern is if they were able to get a miner on your system, what else can they get on your system when they're yeah. done with the miners? Yeah, right. So. Right, right. <laughs> um, so what are some preventative steps do you recommend for companies uh, to take on a you know business hiring level with ransomware Trojan slash crypto mining, you know, on the rise. Should, you know, these findings and general trends affect how enterprises structure their security departments, number of people they hire, what they're hiring them for? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, What I like to to recommend is that people take some uh, inventory of their data, their most valuable data, because at the end of the day, like I said, you you know, the bad guys are after the money. So they want the money data, the the data about that they can sell, that can use, you know, customer information or or whatever else, mm-hmm. um, find that data in your network, identify it, segment it from your rest of your network, and add it behind another layer of protection. Now, we really recommend layering up on defenses, on protections, having that functionality which looks for just anomalous things. It doesn't necessarily need to say, I found this particular attack, but that there's an attack going on, do something about it. Um, and trying to kind of uh, leave, I guess, bait for the cyber criminal in some cases, you know, they also like to go after the low hanging fruit. They're very lazy. Um, Some of them are. (laughs) So if you leave a server open that has some fake bogus data um, and they grab that and then leave your network and they never even know that there was much juicier stuff to get before. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also, you know, rights management, making sure that that the right people have the right access to the right systems and that people that don't need access don't have it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the way the government really worked. And, while it may not be the shining example of how security should be done correctly, that was a pretty good policy that I that I thought was really good. Um, you know, we the, the, they basically said, uh, what is it? Um, need to know basis, kind of segmented, compartmentalized security. Yep. Uh, I think is a great idea. Hmm. And then just general education on your users. Now, I mean, this is something that we've tried to tell people over and over again, and we've tried to teach people over and over again about cybersecurity. It is not. A, an easy topic to discuss with someone who's non-technical or, or not super interested in it. 
Um, but if you can get your employees at least to a point where they can say, this looks like a sketchy email, because email is still the primary method of distribution for most malware these days, right. um, then, then that's still a step in the right direction. If they can flag that to your IT department or your security team um, to investigate, then you may have saved your company a whole lot of money and, and headache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that one and a half seconds that you take a deep breath and and look at a thing before you just go pay the invoice. Exactly, or exactly. So, so, so I teach that 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 helps a lot. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say is is the the advice for uh, consumers and and businesses alike is probably the same now as it was five years ago. You know, look at the look at the URL. Don't you know click on suspicious documents that you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the attacks are getting more sophisticated. They have yeah. been. Um, you know, we see a, a primary method of, of dropping malware is through office documents that are attached to, the, to these emails. And then there's a script inside, a macro script that once it's executed, will download malware onto the system with either Java or PowerShell or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, but yeah, I mean, that just being kind of a little more, I guess, paranoid. <laughs> I don't like yeah. to just say yeah, yeah. paranoid, but at the end of the day, you want yeah. people to be a little a healthy paranoia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah, consumers and and business, you know, employees and everything like that, having just a little bit more um, distrust of what you see come across your your inbox uh, is is a really good idea because yeah. I mean they're not like they used to be. You know, you're not going to see too many emails that are like I am an Algerian prince and here's a billion uh, <laughs> spelling errors. You know, <laughs> that ship is sailed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So now you might get like a, an email from what you think is is PayPal. It's just a spoofed address, but it yep. looks very legitimate or UPS that says you've got a package or yeah. from someone within your organization. Um, you know, one of the most popular spear phishing attacks while I, I saw while I was working for the military were these um, Trojanized PDFs that claim to be pay rates for the next year. And there's a lot of military, you know, folks that are always eager to That's learn a, about what they're going to be making in the next year. So quick, open that up. I got to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. But like holiday schedule, you know, anything yep. like that. And, and people just don't even think twice half the time. Yeah. So um, for listeners who are thinking of getting into the cybersecurity field, based on the general trends uh, delineated in this report, what security skills or specialty fields you think the most uh, will be the most in demand with this new ransomware Trojan crypto mining intensive future? Right. Um, like I said, uh, big big data uh, is mm-hmm. going to be important. Also, the communication aspect. Um, we're at a point where there really isn't a lot of time for uh, for reverse engineering. Um, every malware you come across. So right. while reverse engineers are highly sought out and, and I, you know, reverse engineer myself, uh, it's a skill, it's a good skill to learn. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult, but once you get it, then, then it really opens up your eyes to what's actually capable with malware. Um, but you know, a lot of companies, they, they don't have the time or they have automated systems that just automatically spit out. This is what the malware does. Here's yep. how we protect against it, or here's what you should do in order to protect against it. Um, so that's not as in demand, but, uh, definitely development. You know, if you know, if you don't know a programming language, learn one. Uh, Perl. I mean, not Perl. Everyone hates Perl. Uh, <laughs> Python. <laughs> well, there you Python. go. There you go. <laughs> plus plus, if you can. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, those are just kind of basic things. Understanding Windows internals um, is also very important. I mean, I'm just kind of listing off college courses I took. You know. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, basically, if you can understand the landscape and what's possible, then you already have a huge step up with uh, than anybody else because at least then you can speak intelligently about things that happen. And this industry constantly changes, like I said. So I can't read a book about Trojans today and expect that the information is still going to be relevant tomorrow. 
right. sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, a, that's a definitely an issue. Okay. Um, but overall, yeah, education, just kind of absorbing things and getting a sense, uh, an idea of the landscape itself rather than focusing too much on the individual skills. Because I guarantee you, you'll have to learn new ones right. eventually. Constantly. Um, so I, I didn't include this on the on the question sheet, but if you do get, you know, say whether you're a consumer or your business, you get, get zonked by some ransomware, like what what do you as, you know, head of Malwarebytes Labs, what 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 do you what do, what do you do next? If you if you get hit with ransomware and you have no protections, you have no backups, you just completely at the the whim of the ransomware attacker, mm-hmm. then it's one of those things, identify what data is most important to get back and then negotiate with the attacker. You've seen it happen a few times, uh, many times over the years. The mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood Presbyterian attack, ransomware attack, which happened back in like 2016. Um, that one, you know, the original ransom demand was like a million dollars to get all these yeah. systems back in this hospital. They ended up paying about 17 grand for one system, which had most of the important data on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so cyber criminals, at the end of the day, they want to make money. If you do encounter a ransomware attack and the goal is actually getting money from you, mm-hmm. then you can negotiate for usually for a, a lesser price or for fewer files being decrypted. Um, and they'll, they'll usually work with you. If it's a ransomware attack, that's whole point is destruction and destruction, then that's a whole different story. Now, things like, like crypto mining, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll say, first of all, that we've already talked to, um, uh, Christian Beek with, uh, Malwarebytes and, you know, we've talked about the, uh, uh, the free forums. Now, if you're, if you're, you know, your system has got, you know, someone's doing some crypto mining on it. Is that something that the, the Malwarebytes forum people can help you remove? Is that something that's like higher level than that or? No, no. I yeah. mean, crypto miners, we did see the development of some kind of nasty weaponized crypto miners during mm-hmm. the crypto craze, the, the, the mm-hmm. latter half of it, the kind of tail end. We started seeing ones that are being developed with more um, stealthy functionality, like rootkit capabilities. Um, but for the most part, most miners are not difficult to identify. Most security solutions will be able to identify them and get rid of them. But okay. if you can't, yeah, yeah, people on the Malwarebytes forum, our, our support guys are always... Uh, will definitely be able to help you get rid of everything. Oh yeah, they, they've saved my hash a number of times. Awesome, these um, <laughs> are uh, really good guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, based on the findings of the the Q1 report here, what are some blanket recommendations you're making to sort of enterprises, the industry, whatever in general, over the course of you know 2019 and beyond? For uh, you know, based on what you found, what what do you what are you saying people should do differently? Um, plan for the worst case scenario. Okay. Don't plan to stop the malware, plan to recover from it because yep. there's so many chances, so many opportunities for uh, for bad guys to find other ways to get past your security. Um, never have full 100% confidence in your security solution. Always look for other ways to augment it. Uh, we actually wrote a report um, earlier this year talking about, uh, we did a poll of some of our users and found that there was, you know, certain uh, security practices that everyone, everybody follows, and then there's some that nobody does. And there are the really difficult ones, like yes. the reading the EULA or making sure that an app has the right permissions, things like that. Um, and we have also seen attackers go through these avenues to try and infect people or try to scam people. So um, it kind of just overall created what we what we were calling security hubris, uh, just having too much confidence in, in, in that security solution because no one is 100%. Um, so yeah, plan for the worst attack. Uh, uh, don't, you know, multiple layers of security patching if possible, but just at the end of the day, maybe segmentation of your network entirely. Okay. Uh, like I said, act like you are already going to be breached. So what do you want to do? You want to keep 
XYZ data safe. You want to make it harder for the bad guy. So segment up your systems, make it, make it more difficult for them to identify exactly where they have to go to get things. Um, but at the time, at the same time, it allows for greater user rights management and data segmentation. Um, it, it may be a pain uh, overall <laughs> at the end of the day, but I think it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, you could also, you know, deploy patches in that kind of model as well. Cause that's one of the biggest things with businesses, you know, back when exploit kits were really, really big deal and they're still pretty big deal over in the East. We see a lot of attacks against Korea and Japan, mm. uh, with exploit kits because for whatever reason, the culture over there is still utilizing a lot of outdated, uh, older systems, either like old operating systems or just unpatched. Uh, yeah. We see the same, you know, WannaCry exploit, Eternal Blue, that was used to just infect uh, systems from outside of the network. This happened two years ago, and the patch for it came out six months prior to that. And these systems are still getting hit with malware mm-hmm. that utilize this trick because they have not patched. Yeah. Um, but that also, you know, comes down to if you are a large organization, you can't necessarily roll out patches across the board without breaking something. So okay. network segmentation may be another solution where you could say, I rolled out the patches on, on this group of systems and I know that it works fine. And, you know, it's kind of your test bed. Hmm. That's that's fantastic. Uh, Adam Kajala, thank you very much for uh, your time today. Thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate being here, man. And uh, thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's uh, podcast, you uh, can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and type in cyber work with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts, including this one. Uh, Just search cyber work with InfoSec in your favorite podcast app. To see current promotional offers available for podcast listeners and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro live boot camps, InfoSec Skills On Demand Training Library and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness Training Platform, go to InfoSecInstitute.com slash podcast or click the link in the description. Thanks once again to Adam Kajawa and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week. 